Yeah, Solly Dog here. We're talking with uh, Joe Camilleri, your that is uh, full name, uh, Joey Vincent Camilleri. Yeah, talking to uh, Joey uh, about the Bakelite Radio, uh, his uh, side band from the Black Sorrows. I just shake my head and walk away. Yeah, about the new release, uh, Rosary of Tears, and a lot of chat about uh, being a musician and um, doing the whole thing. So it's a long-form interview, Tone Hound, so sit back and uh, just let it roll away in the background. Let's head off the interview. Uh, Joey Vincent, Joe Camilleri, you talk about all sorts of things in the uh, new album, Rosary of Tears. How are you? Yeah, good. Yourself? Oh, not bad. I'm just going to I'm just gonna move into the house. I'm just working in the shed. Okay. Trying to clear light. That's all right. I'm working outside myself. You know how hard that is when you've got so much fucking 72 years of junk? And... Uh, and the good thing for you, you're, you're a harmonica player, right? So, yeah, actually. <laughs> well, technically, yeah. You're a really yeah. good one. But, but um, and um, so you've got a lot of hearts, but they don't take up that much room. Comes a fucking amplifiers and guitars and fucking, and fucking Hammonds and records. Well, we, we shifted house. I've got uh, stuff stacked three metres high. Yeah. Um, and uh, trying to get to it to paint the neck. In fact, I'm building I'm building a shed so that I can stick half of it in it. Don't do that. Well, yeah. I mean, I've got a finger tasks in here, nowhere to put them. But, um, yeah, harmonica's usually the main thing because there's too many good guitarists around. <laughs> that is good. But, you know, there's a lot of charlatans out there just know a few weeks, you know. It's fooled me for a long time, that behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, um, where, where did you move, Joe? Was it out, out north, north somewhere? I'm in Kyneton. Ah, Kyneton. Oh, that's Kyneton. Big... And I can't say it. There, that's how, that's how much I love being here. No, I love it. It's absolutely incredible. Great. I, I, I really, I just adore it. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm just trying to... I'm running out of power, so I'm just going to try to plug myself in so I can talk to you. Because I've been oh. in that shed. It's like a rabbit one, right? You go to this, you know, because, of course, these, these are troubled times. Yeah. And, um, and so I thought, well, you know, I've done gardening. I've done a lot of gardening. I've done a lot of... I'm built, I've got a need... I've got a need um, uh, desk. I've got gear. Um... I've got a shed, a six-car garage shed or a five-car, whatever it is. Yeah. So I, so I've lined it, got all the line painted it, got it all lined plaster. So it looks like an incredible place to hang, you know. Yeah. It's, it's cold as all get out, and I've, you know, those plastic tubs. I must have yep. had forty plastic tubs on top of each other, so they're all broken and they're full of books and CDs and videos. And I'm thinking. I mean, I must have, you know, 12, 12 big containers of CDs. You know, am I going to play them? No. No. Yeah, well, I, but, I don't, I, but I don't want to throw them out. When I shifted, I um, I went through and created one box of stuff that I probably couldn't get on streaming or whatever. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to rip all those, but I, they're still sitting in a huge box. There's a lot of Australian yeah, well, see, stuff that's not available yeah. elsewhere. you just got to... Yeah, so I'm being a bit smarter now, and I've got, I've got this, uh, you know, this little spot. So I've ripped everything out. Now I'm putting everything back, pulled everything out. I'm going through this, you know, trying yeah. to get rid of some of the stuff that I don't need, so I can have a really nice, cool studio where everything is hardwired. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and I can pretend that I'm still in the game. <laughs> I think you are. But um, yeah. the Chinese don't retire, so we'll just take a lesson from them. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> and, 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 and fair enough, too, isn't it? 
That's right. There's no such thing as retiring if you're an artist. That's uh, yeah. it doesn't doesn't work. No, I I, I reckon that's right. But um, and, and you don't know anything else anyway. And there's not that many people that make enough money to sort of soothe their their um, their potential. Um, you know, financially. You know, it goes from it goes from hand to mouth, and um, that's about it. That's the way it rolls. Yeah. For most people, you know, some people. You know, yeah. I, I, I was lucky a little bit because um, I um, I bought real estate a little bit. You know, I bought Woodstock for instance for three hundred thousand dollars. You know, yeah, uh, and it was expensive then, right? Yeah, um, nothing now. So I'm just having to buy the bread because I haven't eaten for long. Um, anyway. So I'm, you know, I was lucky to have a couple of things like that, and the fact that I'm 72, a couple of days, that means to say, you know, I not only knew, you know, uh, pounds and tens. Um, uh, there, there was, you know, there was a couple of nice times where, um, where you were making money, you know, when I rang the bell, I was able to keep it. Most people shoved it up their nose or. Or whatever you know, or drank yeah. it. So, but I'm struggling now, like everybody else. You know, I didn't think that. I thought I'd have a good, um, a good season. This it sounded right, didn't it? 2020, it's gonna be a great yeah. season. You know, <laughs> but anyway, um, well, I'm, everybody's I'm got it. Although uh, I see everybody's suffering. Although you know, people have still got their work happening, which is great for them. Yeah. Um, my work, sort of consulting and all the music stuff stopped. Yeah. Fortunately, Tracy, my wife, doing all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I'm um, I'm putting in posts and um, fixing up heaters on the house and all those sort of jobs. Shit out. Yeah. Never mind. I've I haven't picked up any instruments for for yeah. um, a couple of months. But I, you have you have been doing uh, these streaming gigs. How have they been going? <clears throat> Well, you know, you have to pretend, you know, and we're great pretenders anyway, aren't we? Yeah. You know this, you know, because you, sometimes you're looking around and you've got a tough crowd. I mean, most of your most of your patrons have got no teeth. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've Thanks seen them. <laughs> and so uh, they're going to let you know. They're going to let you know. So what you normally do is just kind of you bury yourself inside yourself and you you smile. You're not looking at anything. You just smile like if you've seen something that's been sort of enlightening. Yeah. And um, and you go, occasionally you go, ta-da! <laughs> and um, I, I, I'm okay with it. <clears throat> as long as the band members don't yell out after the song's finished. Yeah. I, have, I, have a, I have a motto. Don't say anything. If you don't say anything and just get on with the music, I think the, the uh, audience at home would appreciate it because the last thing they want to say is, well, we're all in this together. Pigs are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, the best, yeah, no, the, best I, I could, the best I could come up, up with is, oh, this is a song off our latest record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, um, I, as I say to my son, um, when you get on stage or something, you just got to be that guy, even if you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you right. put, put yourself in the headspace and, and do it. Yeah, I've got hand movements, I've got gestures, you know. Yeah. I've got, I'm, you know, looking for a butterfly, release the butterfly, I've got all those sort of things. Here's the other thing, is, you know, I know you haven't asked me a question yet, but... That's um, right. Isolation is kind of not unusual for musicians because we spend a lot of time on our own, you know, practicing music or writing music or, or you know, just being in a van or then being in a in a hotel room waiting to be let out of the cage and then put back in the cage, yeah. um, and you get such a dose of of people when you're out, let out of the cage that all you want to do is not see anybody, you know. Yeah. So there, there is that. I do miss, um, I, I am really missing that, that wonderful 
moment when you're surfing the wave together with an audience. I think that's, I mean, that's what I've always lived for, you know. I, I love that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's a privilege to be able to do that uh, in a lifetime and um, you've had a, a, a good run of that too, which has been great. Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> I've, um, I've made um, a lot of records, you know, out of the love of making records. I've, I've played thousands of shows which out of the love of wanting to play the shows, whether they've been good for me or not. You know, there was a time when they would say, <clears throat> even even now, they say, well, you can't do Bakelite Radio because you're playing in the Soho. And if you if you play cheaper for Bakelite Radio, then your price will go down. If you do yeah. 100 shows instead of 150 shows, you get more money. And I'm like, I didn't sign up for money. <laughs> I didn't sign up for it, you know. Yeah. So I sort of don't understand the concept. No, no, that's right. Um, you, you take the low road, uh, you'll end up down the low road. Yeah, you know, it's a, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I love, you know, I love to ring the bell like everybody else. Of course I love a number one hit record or people, you know, <clears throat> you know, occasionally getting that wonderful gig and you're headlining somewhere and you, you look at the other guys and you have a little laugh and say, shit, you know. Yeah. What's cap? What's happening? It's sort of, yeah. um, they're all they're always great moments. Or you're somewhere in the world, and you look at, and all you have is each other, and you're saying, "Isn't this great?" You know, yeah. and you go da da, and there's only fifty people there, you know, but there's still yeah. the da da, you know. And at the end, there's an amen. Um, so it's, um, I still there's still a sense of wonder for me with all that sort of stuff, you know. Uh, and uh, so I've been very fortunate. Yeah, we'll stop there for a minute. We're talking with uh, Joe Camilleri, uh, Joey Vincent, about uh, all sorts of things you can tell, and so it's a good long-form thing. And we're going to feature some tracks from the uh, Rosary of Tears album on Bakelite Radio. So let's hit off with uh, a brown-skinned woman. I love you. Whoa, 
Continuing on with the interview, talking with uh, Joey Vincent on the Sorry Dog Blues and Roots, otherwise known as uh, Joe Camilleri. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, as I say, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honour and a privilege to be able to do that, hmm. um, I think. And for musicians, that's, you know, they're in awe of the performance. That they actually, you know, you switch on those amps and some sound comes out and you're in another world, another universe. Well, here's the really nice thing about a band, and, and we've, we've played together a couple of times in your band, you know, not knowing, and I've had a couple of moments when I played with you, uh, and I thought, this is, this is great. <laughs> you know, this, this is really great, you know. I don't really know what's going on. I know, I sort of know the map, but something happens, you know, uh, our energies, the band, your band's energy and me, happened. You know, it didn't happen a lot, but when it happened, it was just great. I remember once yeah. we did, we did. Um, this is in the hotel uh, at the S, not the SC, the um, the Prince Hotel, and and I, I I did a Jimmy Reed song, and I I, I don't think I could have. I just said, this is this just sounds like a, a band that is, that 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 has been playing together forever, you know. <laughs> uh, it was just, you know, and I remember that moment, you know. And we did something else, and it was good. And then we did something else, and we fell apart, and then I just got off. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, there's those magic moments, you know, that you can only have under those circumstances. When I'm when I'm playing with the, with the sorrows, I only ask that they they come to play. They don't come, you know, for drinks. They come to play, and, yeah. they, and they bring everything they have, you know, and and we can take it somewhere. And when you can do that, you want to come back tomorrow. Yeah, and do it again. Yeah, no, no, that's for sure, and. Um always remind me years and years ago there was a John Mayle album and he had a song on it um, about searching for that moment of gold. Oh, yeah. And um, it sort of strung a, struck a chord then. I thought, well, yeah, that's like a musician's or especially a band's endeavour. They come on every night and find that, that moment that you can't buy, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah, um, because, it's, because the songs are there. They're a structure. And they were exciting when the guy who wrote it, or the one who's written it, or the band's written it, you know. Yeah. And then it loses its sheen. It's just a song that you can that you can play. But sometimes you want you want to be transformed, like it was the first time you played it, and and there was a sense of wonder within it yeah. that it makes you want to come back and have another go. You know, what can I do inside this that makes me feel great? Why, you know. Uh, and um, and you and you feel that you've got something that you can relate to the audience in 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 that way, and I think they're they're very exciting moments. Yeah, no, well, the audience feel it too. I mean, it, yeah, it, they do. I hate to use that term X factor because, um, but you know, when when people know there's something special going on, they everybody gets it. Um, yeah. But you can't define it. You can't write a. a, a you can't write a recipe for it. It's just it's going to happen. This is where you become precise, and, and you, 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 at the very least, you deliver a really great version of the song. Yeah. Every now and then, you hit a purple patch, and you're sort of riding this wave, and and you're getting the audience to you know ride it with you. You take it as far as you can go. You know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how guys like Dylan, because every every performance he does is not like the last one. No, and, uh, but every reinterpretation of his songs is not like the last one as well. 
No, well, you know, but but it doesn't matter if you die on your sword. It doesn't matter if you lose. It, yeah. You know, I mean, he, you know, he's so famous that he can, but he's still doing it. He's still yeah. doing exactly what I'm saying, what I'm looking for. Yeah. I, I no. want to be. I want to be taken on that journey myself, you know. Yeah. And, and well, the, the sorrows, I mean, I'll talk about Bakelite Radio in, in a minute, but um, the sorrows, the band you've got in the sorrows now has been pretty stable for a fair while, hasn't it? I tried the second, they won't go. They're doing all the dog on me. You're fired. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and, the, you know, you get that, no, what? I'm the boss. No, no, uh, I love them and, um, and, you know, just like brothers and sisters, you know, there's always, there's always room for a little bit of argy-bargy. Yeah. Um, but I can rely on Claude, uh, on Claude. Yeah. I can look at Claude and because he plays guitar from the hip. Yeah. And, um. And we don't play it like necessarily like the records. We, you know, we we adapt them to the live um, um, conditioning and put them in that in, in that arena. You know, sometimes you can't play them like you play them uh, as a recording. Yeah. And uh, and that's the whole idea. Try to make it so when you hear the song, you might know it, but it feels familiar to you. Uh, and that's kind of uh, uh, another thing that I'm always looking for, you know, so if I'm doing a song that's brand new, I got to try to make it feel like it's familiar, because I, uh, you know, I might come, I might be coming back to Warrnambool for another year or so, you know, and yeah. I've got to take you with me. We, we, we've got to, we've, we've got to have an experience together on that night, you know, and yeah. so the last thing you want to hear is, you know. Don't bore us, Camilleri. Get to the chorus. Let's move on. You know, play the you know play the hits. Yeah. And of course, not that I resist the hits. I'm, I appreciate the fact that I have all those things. But and, and so, if you can rely on the people that are behind you um, to be uplifting and 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 to, as you said it yourself, the audience feel it when they yeah. know that something's going on. We're a bit more of a jamming band than most you know, in this day and age because um, you're either, you know, blues bands are jamming all the time, right? They're yeah. kind of moving around and and, um, and, they, and they can come back to the, to the song anytime they like. Rock and roll tends to not do that. You know, they do it to a degree and they can do it. Um, but they, they normally just kind of have a, what you eat, what they call is a set piece or something like that. Uh, I try to have a few of those, but I have moments where we can uh, lap into the thing that makes it want to work, you know, and, and so we're working really hard. Yeah. And, and we're trying to come up with something uh, more that we haven't played before inside something that is that's, um, is valuable. Yeah. So, so, so um, well, the reason we, we started to talk about was this Rosary of Tears album, um, mm. yeah. which is which is Bakelite Radio, and which mm-hmm. has been a long time between drinks. Um, yeah. There were a number of albums in the 2000s and the 40s. Yeah. Um, so, so, so tell me back, what was Bakelite Radio about when you started? Uh, has it changed? Well, can I tell you, Salty? It was about nothing. It was about the idea of saying, um, my, my thing was, I don't know what to do. Really? Yeah. I don't know what to do, so I'm going to make a record. Uh, I'm going to go back to where I started uh, with the sorrows, you know. I started making records that were, weren't were written by me, even though I had um, half the songs end up on Bakelite Radio that were written by me. And the other half were songs that I really loved as a music fan, you know. That's always been my big thing anyway. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I love playing songs, you know. I know that song, I love that song, and I play that song, you know. Um, and that was, it's always been that journey. So, and, and like the Sorrows, after the first 
one. By the time I got the second one, there was um, we started off with volume two. That was weird in itself. Uh, and then when we went to volume three, I, I had written more songs on that record. And then volume four was about you know you know about sixty forty original. Yeah. And um, and then we we had a lot of outtakes, and volume one was just a whole bunch of outtakes that we didn't use. Um, and then by then I, I had a, I, I felt that it was, I could start working again with the sorrows and, and, and start, start afresh with them. And I cut, I cut, I, I thought, well, you know, I, I've made four albums and I've really enjoyed them and I, I really like, uh, the recording process and all the things that went with it. And there was a, it was a bit of a different line. It was meant to be a trio. It was pretty much a trio on the first record. And, um, and then, you know, drums crept in and then, and then players wanted to join the band that weren't meant to be in the band. <laughs> uh, you know, just things happen, you know. There's always that interchange of changing of the guard or something like that. And as soon as it started getting a little bit annoying, I had to let it go. I think by the time we, by the time we did um, volume four, I had the wrong personnel, some of the wrong personnel in it. And, yeah. And even though they were mainly Sorrows players, it it it, it, it kind of started losing its. Um, it started losing the grip of yeah. what it was. You know, it was meant to be just a little fun thing that you just have fun with. Uh, so I, I let it go after volume four and and we just had a the reason why I decided to do um, to do it is uh, the, the Rosary of Tears was because it came it went back to its original form. The only difference was you know, I kind of wrote a lot of songs for it, but because I loved the songs that I played on it that like a brown skin woman, you know, they're, they're pretty simple songs, but they all kind of like like each other. Everything yeah. that I was writing was saying, you know, it was barking, it was barking at you, you know. Yeah. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want the barking. Um, so I kept taking them out, you know. So the five or six songs that I wrote for, the, for that project, yeah, you know, even though we recorded them, didn't sort of make the grave. And it originally was, it was all about prestige records, really, both yeah. ways. I say that on the back of the cover or something like that, but it yeah. really was about that because they were the records that I was being introduced to as a young boy. And I found I found a lot of joy in those songs. I, did, I wasn't hearing the blues, uh, uh, you know, the muddy waters, the Chicago blues. I wasn't hearing any of that. Yeah. Uh, at the time, you know, I was hearing that through the Stones, but I had these records before the Stones, you know, uh, and yeah. I, uh, so it was kind of a bit old-fashioned. Really, these things were old-fashioned blues. But it was yeah, talking with uh, Joey Vincent, otherwise uh, Joe Camilleri about the Rosary of Tears, Take a Light Radio album. Let's hear a bit of a track there. You was born to die. The stream's yellow, tossed with black and brown. Happy woman was the sweetest girl in town. You made me love, and you made me cry. You should remember that you were born to die.
So were these sort of records you went and bought yourself or were they just things lying around the house? No, I, uh, my brother brought them uh, from America. You know, they were catalogue records, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and if you got your catalogue records, um, you used to get, you know, I know, took three months to turn up and they'd be, you know, I don't know, what, what would they be, a dollar each or something? you get 10 records for $10 or something or... You know, and then they'd throw in a half a dozen records to go with it. it was prestige records are a pretty mighty record label. Yeah. Uh, not knowing anything about it, you know. It was also a, a record that, um, you know, they were probably pretty savvy and pretty cruel to their artists, you know, and just give them 50 bucks or 100 bucks to make a record. It doesn't really matter, you know. Coltrane was there. Yeah. So I was getting an education from those things. It was, you know, Miles Davis, Coltrane, they had uh, Art Pepper, whoever they were. There's hundreds of them you can think about, you know, uh, Eric Dolphy. Um, they all made records, all those famous artists. And um, the other side of it was, um, was Blind Willie McTell, Snook Seagull. Yeah. And they went from label to label, you know. But... Um, um, yeah, I didn't know anything about the chess record labels, you know, and then some of those things sort of appeared, and then you were able to buy records uh, all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, they were available to you around 90. You probably could do this anyway, you know, because there were shops. I just a kid. I didn't know. The first shop I ever saw was something in in Burke Street, and it looked incredible. I remember seeing Howlin' Wolf in the, the, you know, with the wolf, um, Bowing at the moon, I think we might have been called Howling at the Moon or something like that. Yeah, Howling uh, at Midnight or something like that. Yeah, something like that, you know. And I was, and I thought, and they, it was a great shop window because they coloured the, the the glass in and only had a few records up and down. So all you saw were the records, you know, in there. There was, and I thought, I want to buy that record, you know, because it just looks incredible. <laughs> Didn't know anything about Howling Wolf. So you went by these things, you know. So Frank must have brought, my brother Frank must have brought, you know, I promised the paints and I never did, of course. But, um, yeah. I think he reminds me often. But um, he, um, he just say, pick a couple. I don't know, you know, the, the catalogue was vast, right? So we just pick a couple, names that we like. What a way to make, you know, because I was, and... And all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like Christmas. You get a parcel and there's like 20 albums. Wow. <laughs> so you start playing them and and you hate them all. You know, this is terrible. <laughs> I can't understand. And then and then you start, you play them again. You get used to it, you know. We had uh, sort of jazz trios and you picked that. I, I picked, or uh, well, he might have picked it, the... Um, uh, there was Blind Willie McTell's Last Date. It was cool. Yeah. And it wasn't, you, you You can buy it now as a double album where it had, you know, and he must have just recorded in the back of someone's shop as they do, you know, and played his hit. Yeah. And that, there was that record and, and there was the record that had um, uh, Brown Skin Woman on it. And I would have played those, those, those records were incredibly appealing to me. Um, I just found, I just kept playing that record, you know, and I, I didn't know anything about guitars or anything. All I knew was just, wow, this by himself playing this and it, and they had the Dying Crap Shooter Blues 
And I just loved his rave on the Dire Crafts before even sang the song. Yeah. And, and you know, and you, you, you know all these songs. Um, and um, and I just, get, so they become part of my inner brain, you know, and I just loved yeah. them. And, and so when it when it came to sort of, I just had a bit of downtime and I just want, I was at that point again, you know, you challenge yourself all the time. You reach the point where you say, well, what, what am I going to do? Here's another little crossroad for me. Where do I go? You know, I, I just want to, I want to break away from, no, I, I've got nothing. I've got nothing to offer here. You know, I've got a whole bunch of songs. I don't know what I want to do with them. Yeah, it doesn't feel right. I don't feel. You know, I just need something to do that uh, that takes away the pain from just playing. You know, I love playing, but it's a grueling. You know, when you do 150 shows a year. It's grueling on your brain. Yeah. You know, it can. It, you know, it's not. It's not the gigs. It's just the. It, it's the. 10 or 12 hours to do a gig, you know, per day, you know, five or six days a week and you're getting prepared. Um, and I thought, well, I'm going to ask Simon Starr, who got back from Israel, if he's interested, double bass player, who played on volume two and three. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, with friends, you know, just uh, would he be interested in someone to make in a, making this little record, you know, like, um, I reckon we could do it in a day. He laughed. But anyway, he, uh, about did you do it? <laughs> we did a lot in one day. I think, we knocked over, I think we knocked over seven songs in a day, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and I thought, well, I love Ed Bates. You know, I like Ed Bates, you know, we've been friends for 50 yeah. years or something. I said, would you, do you want to come play the sewing machine and be the second banana? Yeah. Um, you know, so you can play a little bit of rhythm guitar and play, you know, not many overdubs. You might have to overdub, the, you know, the sewing machine. Yeah. Uh, the pedal steel. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah <laughs> the pedal steel. Yeah. <laughs> well, it feels like you're doing it. That's, it's, it's, you can't see what they're doing, really, can you? It's just a big... Yeah, They've got their vanity board. You don't know what they're doing. Um, they, they could be tarot reading. Yeah. yeah. Well, they probably uh, are. Yeah. And, uh, and I've always wanted to work with Sam, my man, you know, because I see him around. We're always meeting out. We're always seeing each other in airports. And, and, and I love his, um, uh, you know, his bluesy, jazzy. Yeah, he's great. He's that end of playing, you know. Yeah. And I said, why don't, you know, Let's just kind of roll up, do a few songs, um, and we started. And, I, and, the, and the first song I started with, I remember that it was "Tomorrow Night." Yeah. And I and I thought, wow, you know, um, I thought, wow, this this is really good, you know, um, and, um, and and that's where it. Um, and, and that's how it all kicked off. And then we, we, we did a few things. And I, I, I mean, I had a whole bunch of songs. And well, we got through the night. We did a few overdubs. And I said, well, that's good. You know, let's do, um, well, I, I booked the weekend. But I thought, well, if it doesn't work on the first night, we'll cancel the next day. And we had pretty much all of it done by, by uh, I think, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We were done by that Saturday afternoon. Wow, and um, of, of a lot of things, and then I, I thought, oh, you know, I didn't like my songs. I just didn't like them. Uh, I just thought, oh shit, this is <laughs> this is embarrassing. Um, so I thought, okay, uh, I'll, um, I'll, um, I'll, I'll I'll do another session. And we we end up doing three more sessions, and 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 that's about it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, so that that that's how it, that's how it ended up. Tell me, just one of the tracks there, and the first time I heard this one was on. You probably know Roy Rogers, that uh, slide player from San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played with incredible. Donald. Played with uh, John Lee Hooker. Yeah, for a long time. Now, the first time I heard that Down Home Girl was when he did it. 
Oh, okay. It shows you I'm, I'm late to the party. But uh, where did you yeah. first hear that one? Because I know you've been... I saw uh, you do well, that streaming Mimo thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and it's a great track. And so where, where yeah. did you first hear it? Um, I, I, I heard it really... Um, it went way back before I heard it from the Stones. The Stones kind of recorded in 64. I think it, it must have come out around 1960, 61 or something like that. But um, I heard a version of it um, before I heard the Stones. I can't remember. They were kind of like a New York doo-wop band or something like that, I think. Uh, yeah. And they had different, um, they had different lyrics. They had um, slightly different lyrics. Then I heard Taj Mahal do it, but I'm not sure if I heard Taj Mahal do it before the Stones. Yeah, he had it out on a record. But you know, around that time, you have those records, and you don't know who came out first. Because I never, never looked at when they came out. You know. I know the Stones were about 65 because I think they recorded that at the Chess Records, I think. They might have recorded that record in that period of time when they went to um, 220 Michigan. I think they recorded there, didn't they? You probably know that more than me. Well, yeah, I remember that. It may be earlier than 65, but um, I'm I'm no um, encyclopedia, that's for sure. Yeah, um, but I, I, well, they went. They went to New York. I went to America in '64, didn't they? Well, they they come in Australia in '64, didn't they? Yeah, it would have been. I thought, I thought it was a bit earlier, but um, but they didn't really get moving '63, '64. So maybe '65 is right. Yeah, '65, '66, I think, because they decided. I think it was that record that was wasn't. Uh, I don't know what it was. Aftermath, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I kind of stopped after a few more Rolling Stone records. I didn't, I didn't follow their. Um, I, I followed them. I, I loved them, but I didn't follow all their records after, you know, a certain amount of records. But I remember having that record, and it was a, just a great tune, and I, uh, I, I liked it. And uh, it was it, it, it. For me, it happened a little bit by accident because I had to get rid of one of my songs, and I thought, well. You know, I really should be thinking about earlier songs, you know, because some of those things were coming out of the 40s. And that's the thing that I like uh, about Lonnie Johnson and and, and, yeah. and the way that he played. And he was a marvellous, incredible singer, Lonnie Johnson, wonderful piano player and a great guitar player. And, you know, invented a whole bunch of things too, you know. So... Yeah. Um, uh, and I was trying to keep it in the, in that world, but I, I I didn't quite manage to do that. But but what was what resonated on this record is most of those most of those songs uh, come from that period of time. Probably "Down Home Girl" would probably be the youngest. You know, uh, she'd, she'd have the young ball gown uh, of the songs, but. Um, uh, but I felt that we did it really good, and it was really funky, and it was, you know, there was no, um, there was no roadmap for us. It was just kind of, they played it, I sang it, you know, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. Was, the, and then I, the thing that I did with it, because I did the got the horns of Leroy to play on top of it. Yeah. Was, was to find a little part. Yeah. So I just wrote a little part for them while they were there. You know, it wasn't. There was nothing written. It was just sung, and then they just kind of played something that sounded a little bit like what I was singing. Well, I swear the perfume is made out of Turner Green. Every time I
they they said it all, you know, and they were street singers. You know, I, I think Lonnie Johnson really fell down. I think he liked a bit of drinking, Lonnie Johnson, you know, from the... Yeah. I mean, he was a big star. He was a really big star in the 30s. Yeah. And uh, really made, made, you know, made inroads. And then by the time you get to see him in the 60s, you know, when, he's, when they're doing the Soul Review, um, um, he was looking pretty pickled. But he could yeah. still play, man, he could still play that guitar. Yeah. And sing too, a beautiful singer. And he made a lot of records for Prestige Records. You know, in fact, my first um, uh, Black Sorrows record, I thought he wrote What a Difference a Day Makes. I heard his version of What a Difference a Day Makes. You know, on one of those records that I had, yeah, stage label, right? And I kind of ripped off that version, and that became a big. That was a big deal for the for the Black Sorrows in um, in in uh, the early eighty. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of a nice thing, and. Um, um, so you know, he, he's always been. Uh, I've always been a big fan of his. Wow. And, he's, and here's the other thing too: uh, the whole idea, is, and I stole the idea from him too. I stole so much stuff from him. Um, I like the idea of having a sort of blues and ballads um, concept, where you get, um, where you get, you know. R and B, a little blues, you know, a little ballad, a little blues, a little. It it, it makes a a comfortable record to listen to. Yeah, uh, it's not, uh, uh, and that was my agenda as well. You know, yeah. so when uh, when I'm playing those, I've never, I, I don't, no one's heard me sing like that. You know, I can sing like that, but I never, I never used that style. Yeah, uh, Albus used to use that style. You know, Albus would would sing a little bit like that, and because uh, you know he stole a lot from from you know those black performers too. You know, um, so it was a it was a real treat making the record. There was no, um, as I said, you know, it was it, it went down pretty easy. If we didn't like the song, didn't sound right, we just go to something else, find something yeah. else. You know. Um, and um, that's how you do it. So um, you've got this album out on vinyl because uh, of yeah. the CD downloads. Uh, any, yeah. any, uh, the reason for the vinyl uh, sounds better on vinyl to you? I don't know. I just think it's just um, it's just an old love, really. Isn't it? Yeah. And um, I, I, I think that that's the um, that that's the. Um, I think if you put ten tracks on an album, you put you've got under ninety, under under twenty minutes. I think it's just just putting the needle and and, and smelling the vinyl is almost worth the ticket price, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. come down to the end of our chat with the uh, Joey Vincent, Joe Camilleri. Here's one from the album. Feel so bad from the Rosary of Tears, Bakelite Radio.
No, you know, someone said to me they wanted to buy the record, and they said, uh, <clears throat> "They said I don't want the vinyl, I don't want the CD. It's all landfill. Just send me the, um, you know, whatever it is that you send. You know, digital. Give me the digital." I said, "Well, you don't have anything. You get the digital. I don't care. It's all vinyl. It's all the, you know, goes in the trash." <laughs> um, <laughs> and. Um, one of the beautiful things about vinyl is you have to get off your keister to turn it over. You know, so, yeah. um, there's value in that. And then you, here's the thing, you might like the third track uh, at first, but or the fourth track, and all of a sudden you get a, a sense of, wow, I love that song. You know, I can't wait for that song to come on, you know. Yeah, uh, that's right. So you, you do find all these things. I. And I, I, I'm very romantic about all that, you know. What's your number one? What, what are you going to put on? What's the first track on the B side? What's yeah. the third track on the B side? How do you end this one? How do you end the album? You know, all these yeah. dumbass things that, um, <clears throat> that 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 are beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, look, it's a, it's a, it's a it, it will be a, a lost tradition over time. But uh, it might become a niche that, that survives. Who knows? But um, well, well you know, it, it, it's surviving at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, mm. for sure, for sure. Because I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm not connected because I'm digital because it's so fast and, and quick. Yeah. But uh, that means you um, you only listen to things a little bit too. Yeah. You know. Well, but you kind of the other end of the stick is you know like if you sit down. It's not, yeah, you know, we need all these different things if you want them. But, you know, I find I find it personally, nothing more gives me more joy than looking for something that I can't find. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm putting something else on that I haven't heard for a while and get a thrill from well, that. You know. uh, I've got a story about that. An ex-wife of mine insisted on putting my vinyl collection in alpha order. Yeah. And I that she didn't because I wanted to um, fool myself and discover something just when I went there and um, pointed a finger at it and said, oh, I'm going to play that one. But um, <laughs> we're not married anymore, but maybe it was the uh, alpha order of... <laughs> I rebelled. Yeah, maybe no, nothing should be in uh, alphabetical order. <laughs> I, cannot put, I can't do that. I hate it. I can't. It's terrible. Well, terrible. you know, it's kind of, there's, there's the joy of finding things. I just found this beautiful record. I haven't played for years. Uh, it, it's a spiritual record, you know. It's got just kind of old cotton pickers. It's called Country Spiritual, yeah. you know. And I bought it because of the cover, you know. It's just you know a couple of girls and a couple of guys, and they're sort of sitting down on a porch like they always do, you know. Uh, yeah. White guys can't sit on a porch like that and sort of make it look real, you yeah. know. And they're not looking at the camera. No one's looking at nothing. And yep. It's a real close-up of nothing, but it looks incredible. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, so I gave that a spin. I, I wouldn't have found that unless I was looking for, uh, I think I was looking for a John Mayle record that, that had Roxanne on it. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but anyway, such is life. But um, yeah. I should let you go. Yeah, I was just going to ask, um, by way of um, wrapping up, you can't do any touring with this, although... Who knows, maybe by August, September, things might have changed. Have you got any plans in that area? Well, I wanted to make a little... Uh, it would, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, I wanted to do a little tour, you know, because it's an easy... Even if uh, even if Ed doesn't turn... Uh, doesn't, if the sewing machine doesn't turn up, there's just the three of us. And, uh, you, you, you know, you can... You can put us in a bathroom, really, and we can still get a, a reasonable sound, you know. So it, w- it would have been really nice to be able to do a few shows. And and I think people, you know, I, I'm not going to canvas if you like the record or not, but I think there's there's a bit of joy in this record, you know. I think that's... Um, it's, no, it's, I agree. It's not, 
it's not just blues and it's not, you know, and there's a lot of nice playing. And yeah. It's, and it's subtle. And um, so I'm sure there's a, there's a place for us to have that opportunity. Yeah. You know, well, so certainly. I'm really hoping that we can do it. I'm hoping that I, <coughs> excuse me, I can, I can do the memo. I was gonna, I'm trying to get. Well, uh, maybe they, they'd be interested to have us do a an, an hour show because it's a nice setting, and, yeah. and it would sound really nice. Yeah. Um, uh, but I mean, anyway. yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, we're we're week by week at the moment, so. Hopefully um, things will loosen up, although a few yeah. more festivals this week. So yeah, well, you know, it's, 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 um, it's the invisible, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 it's it's a hard it's a hard one when you're fighting. You don't know who you're fighting. You know? No, exactly. But, exactly. but anyway, you've got to take it as it is. Yeah. Now, I, I saw on your website you're going to the. Switzerland and Germany later in the year. Is that still on? No. That'll all be gone. That'll be gone. There'll be no airfares. No, no way getting there. Well, I think airfares will go back to the, um, you know, the um, $1,000 per purse. Yeah, I remember that. You know. Yeah, and um, 14 days if you come back. So uh, no, <laughs> yeah. no one's going to do it. <laughs> No one's going to do it, unless you've um, got special dispensation, like you're a footballer or a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> All right, love you. I'll, I'll, I'll get out of your hair. Yeah, it's been great talking and... Um, Pleasure. Uh, love to see you. Yeah, we try and see you around um, when we're all out and about again, but uh, thanks for your time, Joe. Okay, cheers. Stay well. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we've been taking a long chat with uh, Joey Vincent or Joe Camilleri about all things uh, being uh, the man um, in his early 70s, doing great stuff. His new album with Backlight Radio, Rosary of Tears. And a whole lot of other things in between. Well, a solid dog, Blues and Roots, will let you take out this track from the Rosary of Tears you better watch yourself